0: Hi, it's david Averin and welcome to the why customers leave podcast so what's the future of customer experience well you might be surprised to learn that the future involves what many are calling machine customers it's the machine or technology that schedules your appointments or buys what you need and interacts with the world for you well my guest today is going to introduce you to the future of cx James Dotkins is a customer experience rock star, literally, and we're going to talk about a future that's not so far away and one that will change everything. I'm David Averin, and this is the Why Customers Leave podcast, back in 20 seconds. Are you ready to future-proof your business? Well, sit back, because customer experience expert David Averin brings you the Why Customers Leave podcast featuring outspoken thought leaders and business builders as they share their creative strategies for serving a new generation of customers and clients listen in or you can watch the video version of the conversation now here's David Averin welcome to the white customers leave podcast i'm David Averin and you know we we talk about certainly white customers leave but we're going to talk about as we do every week what does customer experience look like today what do people like what do they not like Uh, And what do we as business owners, entrepreneurs, and others need to do to future-proof our businesses? And one of the best things about this is I get to talk to experts who who help me understand, help all of us understand what's coming down the pike, what's next. And today is actually really, really interesting because I I think we've all seen glimpses of this, but we're going to get a better sense of what it really looks like as it plays out over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Quick introduction first. Uh, James Dodkins used to be an actual real-life, legitimate, award-winning rock star. He played guitar in a heavy metal band, released albums, and tore up stages all around the world. But today, James is a CX evangelist at Pegasystems, where he researches the mindset, principles, and philosophies of companies that deliver rock star customer experiences. He shares the strategies through transformative training, engaging videos, inspiring keynote talks. He's got books out, he's got videos everywhere. um, And he's a good friend. We have a, a great community of customer experience professionals around the world. James, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. What an introduction. I couldn't have written it better myself.
0: Yeah, I was going to say it was it was quite, quite well written. Actually, it's about three pages long. I just did a, a, a <laughs> yeah. small synopsis of all of that. And you'll hear the, the accent, James. Where are you coming to us from today? From the UK, from Birmingham, which is the central bit of England.
1: So whenever anyone hears that you're from England, who isn't from England, they're like, oh, do you live in London? No, most of England doesn't live in London. Right. There's a the middle bit, Birmingham best known for Peaky Blinders and Black Sabbath.
0: Yes, both. I've been there and I I had a great opportunity of of speaking there. One of the things that really stuck out uh, to me, which probably nobody will talk about, is you have the most ginormous rabbits I have ever seen in my life. I spoke at some estate and I looked outside and it was something out of uh, Alice in Wonderland. And I don't think we have those in the States. We have little, little bunnies. And then, really cruel people have rabbits' foots that they have for good luck. Anyway, I'm way off the subject. Oh, uh, let's talk. Let's talk no, don't about see
1: weirdly yes. though, so where, where are you in the
0: U.S. I am. I am right in the center of the U.S. I'm in, or just a little bit left of center. I am in Denver, Colorado.
1: Well, so weirdly, the the story I was about to tell you was about rabbits in Denver, because, like. They're all like there's loads of them on the roads, and there's loads of dead ones on the roads. And then yeah. never seen so never seen so many dead rabbits in my life. Yeah, you
0: know we mean? call them varmints. I don't think people around the world understand um varmints, but but we don't understand lorries. So all right, we're way off the subject. Um so so here's one of the one of the, the things that I find really fascinating is as I talk to colleagues around the world and clients and others as well, is there's sort of a different take on what's coming and where. But of course, we're global now. And so as we look at sort of the progression uh, and much of what I talk about is some of those points of friction, some of those frustrations, technology and organizations are deploying technology and adopting technology that allow us to do more than we've ever done before. Talk to us about this this concept of machine customers. Put it in context for us.
1: Yeah. So like machine customers is... It's a really exciting topic for me because I honestly think it's one of like the only new things in customer experience to happen in quite a long time. A lot of the stuff we talk about in customer experience, it's it's the same stuff, but spoken about in different ways, which is very useful. But this is this is a new thing. This is something that could spawn its own industry, its own profession. And imagine... Your digital assistant, whether it be on your phone or a little thing on the side and you ask it to do a thing, you say hey digital assistant set an alarm for me that's that's standard nowadays, but imagine if you could say hey digital assistant order me some guitar strings. And then that digital assistant goes away, scours the internet for the absolute best guitar strings possible with the type of guitar you play based on the sort of music you like to play. And then finds the store that's got the best price versus quickest delivery, knows your specific pre- preferences when it comes to that and then orders them for you. It just goes and does it. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily asking Alexa. I'll say quietly. Right. We can't say the uh,
0: name because it'll affect everybody. Mine just went off in my office. So I got that. So we'll we'll call it digital assistant.
1: Yeah. So the Amazon digital assistant. I'm not talking about that one, the interaction with itself, which is just basically an extension of its own self. I'm talking about asking your phone to buy something from the supermarket. I'm talking about asking the Google digital assistant to book a restaurant for you. Now, there is actually examples of that. So you can find the video online. There is an example. it's how crazy is that it's, it's crazy someone asked the digital assistant book me a table at my favorite restaurant at friday for 5 p.m and the digital assistant goes away and not only does it book it it, it spoofs a voice so it acts like a real person go and find the video it's really good
0: Right. And and even include some of the, uh, uh uh-huh, um, uh, things that make it sound. But the the idea is twofold, right? So on one end, it's it's about uh, about being effective, being able to complete the task, but two, to present in such a way as it is, and fooling is probably the wrong word, but making the person on the other end believe that they are interacting with an actual human being, correct?
1: Yes. And I mean we get getting into the logistics of it now, but companies are going to have to figure out how they deal with having interactions with machine customers because they're, they're going to have to, if a company realizes that it's interacting with a machine customer, there's really no point having a human on their end, having that, you know empathetic rapport building conversation with them because they don't the machine's not going to care in fact that's probably going to be annoying to the machine who's essentially only going to care about the completion of the, the the goal and the efficiency in which they can do it so I think what's going to happen in the future is there's going to be like four main types of interactions between customers and companies. So you've got person sure. to person. We'll,
0: go through those and then we'll tackle them one at a time.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the first one is person to person. This happens all the time now. This is me, me talking to you. I walk into the store and I say, good morrow shopkeep. one of your finest apples, please. And they give it to me. and right. go. That's the, the history one. of
0: their history of commerce. Yes. Yes. Okay. Number, number two,
1: number two. Person to machine, which happens all the time now. This is where I go on the website to try and find the phone number to call up, and it doesn't have a phone number, but it does have a chat,
0: chat bot. Yeah,
1: and that pops bot up. Bot, of and course, I'm
0: there. bot, of course, is short for robot. To be clear, yes. yes,
1: yes. So I'm there going, "Hi, chat robot. I need to do a thing." And he goes, "Sorry, I don't understand that." I'm like, "Well, help help they me think do you, They this think you thing. said no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please rephrase that.
0: <laughs> so that can be either verbal or or digital, correct? So that's person to technology. Yeah, so person
1: to machine. And then the sure. new ones. So these are the new ones that are going to emerge. So this is machine. So my machine to person that's similar to that Google example where my digital assistant will call up and have a conversation with a person to get something done. There's that one. And then there's the holy grail, which is this is the one that's going to completely redefine every single standard of what good is in customer experience. And that's machine to machine. That's where my digital assistant plays nicely with your technology in your company. And I can say, hey, digital assistant, update my email address with every single company I've got a contract with and within a split second, it goes and does it. That is the holy grail. And that is gonna be the thing that is gonna change the face of customer experience forever.
0: Right. All right, let's let's take them one at a time. I think we understand one and two. One is, is interaction we've always had, two is it's in my case, it's a it's a big frustration. We're I'm dealing mm-hmm. with chatbots, but they're it, AI, it's getting better, it's getting smarter, it's getting more intuitive. I think the early days was just uh, an electronic FAQ. Right? Yeah. Right. And now it's at least responsive in a way. Um, I'm just the one who, who I, I don't know what it is about me. I, I rarely have a question that's frequently asked. Um, so I'm the person that's like, real person, real person, or or someone set up for representative, right? But let's go to number two before we go to number three. So number two, the whole idea of the machine customer. If we are having a conversation or if our, our digital assistant or whatever is making that appointment, and that's already happening, um, yeah. it's going to be much more widespread. Um, a couple of things. First of all, do organizations have to uh, prepare for interactions when they recognize that it is um, a machine, that it's a technology? So instead of us talking to a chatbot, it's the chatbot talking to us. And the example that we've got online is very much about trying to mimic so they can't tell. But what do organizations need to do to prepare when they can tell?
1: So uh, it's going to be a difficult one because I think there's probably going to be one of two ways in which organizations sort of react to this. Some, they're all going to be working to try and discover and identify when a machine customer is interacting with them but then how they deal with it is going to be different so one of them will be like cut it off we don't want to deal with machine customers okay they'll they'll class it as oh it's, it's a bot interactive we don't want it and then the other ones will have to you know be like okay the, let's root it down the path that we do deal with machine customers with and i think the companies that try and deflect machine customers they're going to be the ones that lose in the end
0: you're gonna lose big yeah
1: because when i when i say hey digital assistant, changed my email address with every single company I've got an account with, and it comes back and says, I've done it apart from Telco Corp who don't allow machine customer interactions. When my contract's up, I'm going to be like, oh, hey, digital assistant, find me a replacement for Telco Corp, someone right. that does allow machine customer interactions. Because it's it's just going to be, imagine, because it's going to reset what convenience is, it's going to reset what speed and ease is. And right. when there's a company that won't allow it, essentially they are signing their own death warrant now of course that's right. not going to happen tomorrow that's not an immediate thing but to prepare and, for and this, it's a
0: and it's a, it's a progression
1: yeah. and but to prepare for it i mean one one of the first things companies can do is really start to map out all of the scenarios in which in the future a machine customer might interact with them And so for for traditional companies, it's going to be easier. For smaller companies, you've probably got a longer tail on this. I think it's going to be more expected of of bigger companies. So you get these scenarios. These are all the ways in the future that machine customers might interact with us. And then you have to start grading them. Which are the ones that are likely going to happen the first, the soonest? And then which are the ones that are going to have the biggest impact. And then you can start to prioritize where you place your focus. I think there's probably going to be whole industries that pop up to help the facilitation of machine customer interactions right. where it's, it, the, as I said, the Holy grail is going to be when my machine, my technology plays nicely with your technology to facilitate that instantaneous uh, interaction. And sure. I, th- I think that but, and I don't but, but, know what
0: that is yet, but I know that that, but, but let's, but we can talk about that. but let's go back for a second. Cause I want to play devil's advocate. My job also is the voice of the audience and there are people sitting back and going, you gotta be freaking kidding me. You yep. gotta be freaking kidding me. So what happens when somebody, when the machine calls and they say, yeah, we don't have anything available or um, hang on a second. I can't hear you. Or somebody has got a really thick foreign accent. That's harder to get in touch with or somebody starts spouting gibberish and then all of a sudden, everything falls off the rails. Of course, there's so many mindsets that saying here's here's immediately 27 things that can go wrong with that and screw it up. What's the response?
1: Yeah, that's my <laughs> response. I mean, it's not, it's not wrong. There there are loads right. of hurdles to overcome with this. Um, AI is getting very good now at holding. Human-like conversations and understanding the nuance and response of human conversation. So the the, the ums and the ars and the oh, I don't know. Wait, there. That'll all be covered. There's there's kind of three waves of machine customers that's going to come, and this is from Gartner. So this is a Gartner prediction, not mine. But right. I, I think it's it seems well, and, to, that- and to
0: clarify, you're not necessarily advocating. You're you're the messenger. Right, yeah, You're I'm, saying here's what's happening to help organizations recognize what's coming so we can prepare and, yeah, and not, take I'm advantage of you it. not should or shouldn't. I'm just saying it's probably coming. So, so yeah.
1: you do with this information what you will. But Gartner said there's going to be three waves of this. So right now we do have machine customers, but they are bound. So they will only do what it is that they are asked to do and nothing more, nothing less. Well, sometimes less because they're not all great, but nothing right. more.
0: Right. They, and so, and to, to clarify, it's we tell it to do a task, it does a task. If we ask my digital assistant on my desk to make an appointment, they'll make an appointment, but they won't necessarily predict. I That said, I do get suggestions. I was getting ready to get on this call and my phone popped up and said, you are getting ready for this thing. Do you want to go on um, uh, Do Not Disturb? So so the first
1: wave is bound, and to use the restaurant analogy that I'll use all the way through this, let's say the digital assistant calls up and says, I'd like to book a table at 5 p.m. The person on the other end of the line says, sorry, we don't have one at 5 p.m., but we do have one at 5.20. Would you like that? Because there is no autonomy to this digital assistant right now, it will say no, and it will close out the call and it will let me know that there there, there isn't a table available now the next wave is adaptable so this is where I say book me a table at 5 p.m it calls up they say sorry we don't have a table at 5 p.m but we do have one at 5:20." the digital assistant then looks at my calendar and goes I think you can probably do that yes let's take it thank you very much then it'll let me know they didn't have one at five but they did have one at 5:20. it looks like you can do it do you want me to cancel it or are you happy to keep it and I say no that's fine thank you and then it's done. But then this third wave, and this is the crazy one, this is autonomous. Now, this isn't going to be into it until like 2036 is when they're predicting. So we've got, we've got a bit of time to prepare. But this is where the digital assistant looks into my calendar, kind of notices I haven't taken my wife out to dinner for two weeks, <laughs> automatically phones up, automatically books the table and just pings me to say by the way, you haven't taken your wife out for two weeks. I have booked you a table at your favorite restaurant for 5 20 p.m. on Friday. Enjoy. Do you want to keep it or not? And if I don't want to keep it, I'll just say no. And it'll sure. back and it'll do. But but that, that's the difference that and they're the waves. Right now, it only does exactly what we ask it to do. But in the future, it's gonna, you know, get more autonomy to achieve the the goals that we are trying to achieve on our behalf.
0: All right. So let's talk about number three, which was number three, from your your four, which is the machine to machine. That's number four, Uh, or number four. Sorry, that's correct. That's that's number four, right? Number three was was us or the machine talking to, to real people representing Mm us. Number four is machine to machine. I would assume that that's driven or will be driven in large part by the internet of things IoT for those who who see that term. It's a chip in everything. It's the chip in your furnace. Um, in your refrigerator that knows when you're out of something, in your car that says it's time to replace the tires. Um, there, It seems almost that there's a melding of three and four in that it's set up to say when something is going bad, you have the freedom to go ahead and order a replacement. But number four is the pure machine to machine. Our yeah. system will talk to their system, but it will be triggered by specific events, specific criteria. Is that how you see it?
1: Yes, that, that will be the case. It's, I don't think anything will... I mean, who knows, actually? Maybe in the future we'll get so used to it that when we buy items like a fridge or a washing machine or a car, we don't even necessarily have to agree for them to do that stuff because we're just so used to it. It just happens. It is the norm. Maybe that will be the case. I don't know. I think that's probably quite scary, but so is all of the, the future right now. But the the machine-to-machine interaction is is really going to be the thing that's the big game changer because so when i joined Pega Systems, i had a buddy called andy mutlow shout out to andy and every time he ever did a demo he demoed address change so change of address and literally i was like oh god this is boring why are you choosing such a boring thing to to demo to people and then i moved house and I, and the address change became the bane of my existence for months. In yeah. my head, because I'm not a te- I'm not a techie guy, right? That's that's not me. In my head, I'm like, right, changing my address with a company. That's just changing a string of letters and numbers to a different string of letters and numbers. That's all that is. But in practicality in real life that there's a lot more to it than that there's legacy systems there's acquisitions where they're trying to put systems together from like 15 different companies maybe you've got one part of a policy with one bit of the company one with a different division and they've got all this stuff trying to do and so i, I started to realize after that ah th- that is a really good thing to show people because it's such a simple thing that's actually a bloody nightmare to get yeah done. it's okay so, if if I can tell my digital assistant, hey, change my address with every company I've got an account with. And rather than having to call up every single one and spoof a thing saying, Hi, my name is James Dodkins. <laughs> yeah. It's like it will just because the machine because my technology will play nicely with their technology, just instantly. It'll do that. And that is a massive win-win situation because that's a win for me because it just gets done in an instant. It's a win for the company because they're going to save money and they're going to save man, person, power, power, per, what I don't like. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, we, we know where you're going.
1: Yeah, we can edit that bit out. But um, they, they, they're they going to save money. They're going to save hours. And the great thing about this is it's going to free up time for agents to really spend powerful, immersive, emotional time with customers that need the more complex things happen. Because the thing, I'm not, I don't see a world where this is going to take over everything. In, in my mind, there's two types of experience, and this is the way I look at it. There's emotional experience and there's transactional experience. There's, there's things where I just need to get something done, and there's things that I need a little bit more help with. Transactional stuff, change my address. Okay, that's one thing. Claiming on a life insurance policy, maybe that shouldn't be automated. May, I don't right. think there should there, be a future. Likely
0: nuance in the scenario that requires human intervention. Right.
1: Yeah. But again, there's more nuance to that change of address because there's been a death in the family that maybe, you know what I mean? They, yeah. There's a lot of nuance. that I don't know whether machines will ever be able to understand fully. But, and I think, but,
0: but let me, let me challenge that for a second, yeah, because here's, here's where I think there, there's a, a disconnect and probably uh, made very visible recently by a uh, frontier airlines here in america yep. who made an announcement they will no lo- longer offer live uh, voice support at all yep. like none and you think about what scenarios are the most um, likely to encounter some disruption some alteration that requires human intervention of all industries it for me it's mind-boggling but um, when you say I don't, I don't know, it'll go that way. I think there's some organizations think that they can. I spoke at a customer experience conference in in Bogota, Colombia, and for them, customer experience was about um, headsets and the way they define it is is how do we how fast can we get them off the call? How fast can we get them on, uh, move them on their way? As opposed to how how can we best serve them? Whoops, how can we best serve them or satisfy them? So um, as long as there is an off ramp. I I think that the one universal, as we both speak and we work with clients, is that frustration of the people shouting, you know, real person, real freaking person, representative, something. Um, When you talk about that, this frees up organizations to better serve the customers. We're triaging them, right? Give them an easy option. Let them give them an opportunity for the cases that really need it. The disconnect I see, and tell me what you're seeing in the market, is organizations that make that transition very, very difficult, if not impossible. Impossible to find a way to get to a real person. And then the frustration escalates.
1: Yeah, I think you are right. So let me rephrase that. Not that I don't think it will get to that place. I don't think it should get to that place. Right. I don't think we should get to a place where, if my, you know, my Fitbit doesn't detect my heart rate for 15 minutes, it automatically claims on my life insurance policy. I don't think we should. Right. I don't think we should get to there.
0: But okay. you, you got to yeah. use that one on stage. That's that's a perfect example. Keep going.
1: I, I will. I will. But it's it's this this idea of why are you doing it? And so many times, companies are using chatbots and digital assistants and all this stuff to talk to us really because they don't want to talk to us. And and then, then it's interesting that they were like, Oh, we never, we never figured customers maybe wouldn't want to talk to us too. (laughs) Well, look, two, two can play at that game. We don't really want to talk to you too. And you think what you thought we would never use those tactics ourselves. You thought that would never be a possibility, but you ask a lot of companies and if they're being honest with you, why are you doing this digital transformation? Why are you moving this way? The answer is to to save money, that's why. Not because it's what's best for the customer, it's because we need to save money. I think what's going to happen in the future is you're going to ask companies why are you doing this change and they're going to be like it's because customers demand it because we don't have a choice it's because this new world we cannot operate without doing this stuff and i think coming back to this whole digital versus human thing that's going to be the the big differentiator the companies that still keep that human element around to deal with the more nuanced more emotional situations they're the ones that That are going to win. There's, there's always going to be some type of customer that will. Their, their most important thing in any customer-company relationship is how much it costs. Okay, that no matter who you are, no matter how bad you are, they will pay the lowest amount possible. If you are a company out there, I mean, there are some, there are some exceptions that have done pretty well to being the low-cost one. But you do need to understand if you become successful as a company by being the lowest-cost option your customers are never going to be loyal to you. They never were loyal to you. They never will be loyal to you because they're only loyal to their wallet. And as soon as someone else comes along that can provide that service, even if it's worse, but for less money, they will move to them so it's a it's a tricky game to play whereas if if you're in the environment of building a relation because this is the thing about customer experience customer experience isn't about experience and i think that's the thing we get it wrong it's about relationships you ask why why are we even delivering experiences why are we customer experience professionals because we are trying to understand and improve the relationship we have with our customers that is the end of it that is the be all and end of it we need to understand that these relationships they need nurturing and if you try and take the cheap way out and just try and automate everything. The type of relationship you build with your customer isn't going to be one that's going to be for long-term growth. It's not going to be a valuable one. It's not even going to be a profitable one, maybe in the short term, because you've taken out costs, but in sure. the long term, it won't be. So I think it's, we everyone's going to need to take a little step back and really try and identify what is the type of relationship we want to have with our customer. And then what, well, and,
0: but let me ask you, is it also potentially hierarchical? I mean, for some on the low end transactional and being efficient with that transaction is very, very important. Do you see it moving towards more of a concierge level service for the ones that are really the, the, the higher end, the ones that are, that, that, uh, um, foretell the profit for the organization sort of there's the rank and file there's the ongoing we got to be smart transactionally. we've got to be efficient and convenient but but do you see them moving towards but we will offer a higher-end concierge level service maybe for a bigger fee for those customers who really need it is is that sort of the balance that might be coming
1: yeah i think we, we see that at the moment now anyway where there's different levels you can pay for different levels of service and a lot of times we'll go for the lowest one, and then something goes wrong, and we're like, "God damn it! I wish I would have paid you. Yeah. There was, a- well, and,
0: that's what, and we get that with our with the loyalty programs, right? With the airlines, I'm you know I'm the highest level because I travel, of course, in my in my uh, hotel as well. But for others, it's, it's just as we talk about, you know, we're not naive. You know, you and I are both working with organizations and we're not naive about the cost constraints and the labor challenges they that they that they are facing, but what's your counsel to them about finding that right balance?
1: There's oh, dude that's such a loaded question. There's there's so many facets to the way to answer that question. I think cost if you're focusing on cost, you're not focusing on the customer. And if you're not focused on the on the customer, you're you're never gonna win. It's kind of like it's. Do you play golf?
0: Um, occasionally, not well, but I, I enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I don't play golf very well at all. When I drive the, the the first hit of the ball for people that that aren't golf aficionados like me, so that that first one off the tee, I've got this. I think it's a slice. It goes off to the right. I think that's a slice. Right, it goes off to the right. And rather than just being a sensible person and getting lessons to fix that, all I do is I just aim over there. Right, So I aim over there to make sure the ball goes that way where I really want it to go. Now, I have to believe with every single fiber of my being that that random tree over there is the thing I need to hit or it won't slice properly to go where I actually want it to go. That's, that's the mindset we need to, This I'm going somewhere with this, I promise you. That, that's the mindset we need to take in customer experience. So many times we see, and, and, and in business in general, not just customer experience, but in business. In business, we see the money as the goal. And I think we need to redefine that and understand that the money isn't the goal. The money is the reward. The goal should be delivering that amazing customer experience and building that customer relationship. You do that right, the reward will be the money. If you focus on the money as the reward, you're always going to do things that are not in the customer's best interest that actually, in the end, negatively affect that.
0: All right, but but let's go back to the subject that we're talking about, which is this whole machine-to-human, machine-to-machine communication, which for many, is a major point of friction or frustration. Yep. How, do, how do organizations and how do you as a counsel, counselor to organizations, how do you reconcile that? Because the people who are advocates for this technology are, this is going to make our experience better. And then the customers are going, this is making it worse. What, what's the future? How do you reconcile the two?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are, there's probably going to be lots of scandals and stories that we're going to tell in the future of companies that have got this wrong. Security issues are going to be a massive thing. There's probably going to be some company that does a massive security breach. Because, I mean, that's another thing we need to think of as well. Like, if, if, if I choose a particular digital assistant to be the one I ask to do stuff, it's going to need to hold every single bit of information I've got with every single account i've got and it's going to need to know all my you know my card details it's going to be so much personal information involved in that that that's going to need to be and there's going to be people that go i would never use that that sounds scary my answer to you is yeah you will because you kind of already do because we constantly give up like our data protection for convenience every single day of course (laughs) I think the company best suited for this right now is probably Google because like you think about Google Chrome, it already knows all your passwords. It's already got all your V cards saved. It's, it's in a really good position to just use that stuff in a different way. I've gone off track. What was the original question?
0: Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about how do we reconcile. Um, we talk about the, ultimately it's about providing a great customer experience and building the relationship. Um, there are those who would argue that technology actually gets in the way of the relationship.
1: How how do you respond Sometimes, right. The thing is, it's not technology. Technology is just a tool. It's the use of it. Technology is just today's version of pen and paper. That's all it is. It's just a very fancy version of pen and paper. But it's become so specialised in organisations that you've got, you know, people in, like, special rooms wearing lab coats for some reason, and they're the techie people. And, like, you can – you'd never get – back in the day, like a project at work, you'd be like, oh, this is really cool. I'd love to get involved. And someone goes, oh don't know there david we are using some pretty advanced pen and paper here i don't i don't really think <laughs> you know. it's, it just right. it wouldn't happen that way but and then you look in in the the real world where customers are using stuff you you see tiny little babies using ipads you see 105 year old granddads using ipads as well technology should and could be super easy to use but the technology is what it is. It's just all, it's just a tool. It's just a thing. Yeah. It's the application of it. Some companies are going to do it exceedingly well and they're going to set the bar. Other companies are going to do it really badly, but it's, it's like, I don't know. I like cake, but if every time I got a piece of cake, I just rammed it into my eyeball soon, I'm going to be like, you know what? I don't like cake. And someone will come along and go, James, it's not cake. You don't like you are just using it wrong. Use it this way. I'll eat the cake and I'll go, Oh, <gasps> This is a revolution. It's, it's an odd analogy. So we've got golf and we've got cake. What are the ones? No, that- it's 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 a it's a it's
0: a great analogy because I think people hear about it and they think futuristic. They think um, the Terminator, you know, Sarah Connor, you yeah. know, and and they're making those decisions. But I also see. In your examples of one, two, three, and 4 at the beginning, between 3 and 4 as a transition period. And that transition period is before the machine orders something from another machine, it'll ask your permission to do so. I yes. see you're out of whatever. Should I order blank? And there, we're already seeing hints of that through Amazon and through Google that's suggestive um, based on what you've done before. People are freaking out that, oh, it knows what I bought. Yeah, and that's why you don't get ads for feminine hygiene products because it has a better sense of what you're likely to buy. So I have no problem with it, as long as there's an off ramp to a person if you need it. And so it's, um, it, it, it's an exciting uh, shift. It's gonna be really interesting to see where things go because it affects our business, affects everybody's business, but it'll also affect it differently because smaller businesses, the florists, the pizza shop and others may not have the capacity to do so, but they do interact with Uber and Uber Eats and Lyft and Postmates and things like that. So it's an interesting thing. Short of time, quick, uh, quick speed round that we like to do at the end here. So just brief answers. And if you think "Ah, I have no idea, just say it. Um, We hear a lot of predictions about the future, what prediction, uh, the futurists and others, what do you think is wrong? Um, this,
1: I don't know. It depends how much time we've got because I, I actually think um, sustainability is going to be a massive thing. I think customers are going to start getting annoyed with companies using sustainability. Right. Bear with me. I've got, there is no. You're reason. good. Go ahead. This is interesting. So it's my it's think, my
0: show. We can go as long as we want.
1: Cool. Good. Well, they refer to, to it as, 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 as greenwashing. Yeah. So when a company basically does nothing to help the environment, but then goes for everything that you buy, we'll plant a tree. And and customers, are getting, especially now with the cost of living crisis no. and inflation, customers are going, could you not just charge me a little bit less? Rather than p- plant a bloody tree, just charge me less? Whereas there's companies out there that are actually doing very sensible things that are increasing their efficiency, lowering lowering their carbon footprints, and then passing that cost on to the customer. So I think in the future in the probably very near future customers there's going to be a bit of a backlash of like stop doing this performative stuff and right. actually do some real stuff that helps the world and helps me pay you less
0: right because the pr firm told him to do so um what do you think right now post pandemic uh, is the biggest risk to business owners entrepreneurs organizations what's their biggest risk right now
1: either another pandemic or i don't know inflation i mean that's it's killing everyone right now it, so that's yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, What do you think? um, I kind of wrote this down because I was thinking about this, that, that there's some people kind of on the inside or they're getting into, what do you think is going to be the biggest innovation change shift that's going to surprise people in the next five, 10 years?
1: Probably just how much AI is going to evolve and how quickly and what it's going to be capable of doing. I think it's going to blow everyone's minds.
0: What's your biggest frustration in working with businesses? What causes you to leave a business and say, screw this, I'm gone? What's that one thing that really gets at your craw? Oh, God.
1: Is there, is there a one thing or is it a tangled multitude and a web of
0: lots of things? You tell things? me.
1: Um, for me, it's a lack of trust that's the biggest thing for me It's I can, I can deal with mistakes. I understand that they happen. It's like lack of transparency. And if I, as soon as I lose trust in a company and for me that I'm going to go into it again, sorry, but there's two elements, two elements of trust. There's do I trust that they mean well? And do I trust they can do well? Like, do they, you know, want the best for me? Are they actually trying to help me? And can they actually do the thing they say they're going to do? Are they actually competent? And I think you need to tick both, boxes to have total trust in a company once those two are gone i'm out because I, my bank for example do i think they've got my best interest at heart nope. nope do i think they're competent and are going to do the things they say they do yes so i'm going to stay with them because they're at least going to do that when i meet a company that i don't think is going to necessarily do the best by me and isn't even capable of doing it very well that's when i'm gone so when trust is gone james is gone
0: got it one last question What are you optimistic about?
1: Um, Humans in general. I think no matter how prevalent AI gets and machines get and technology gets, I still think humans are going to be the thing that makes the difference in everything.
0: Outstanding. What a great treat. Um, We're friends offline, but a great opportunity to talk about sort of What's new and this whole idea of machine customers, I think is fascinating. I think people, as they, those who are watching this or those who are listening will, will begin to see signs. Oh yeah, that's what he was talking about. It makes a lot of sense. If people want to get in touch with you and your work in the UK and what you do globally as well, how do people get in touch with you?
1: LinkedIn's a good one. If you want to drop me an email, it's JD at pega.com. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I post loads of videos and interesting content about this stuff. It's James Dodkins. I'm like one of the, uh, there's not very many of us. You'll find me.
0: To yeah, do that. There, there, there's two David Averins in the world and, and I actually met him. That's a whole other story for another time. James, thanks for being with us. Hang on because you and I will talk on the other side. Uh, just want to remind everybody that uh, you can pick up a copy of my new book, as so I grab it here, it's called the morning huddle, powerful customer experience conversations to wake you up and shake you up and win more business. Be sure to click to like this podcast, subscribe, hit the little bell so you get uh, notifications of new episodes. But it's really important to uh, to leave a comment as well. Tell us what you think about this, what we can be doing uh, differently as well. You can learn more about my speaking and my consulting at davidavrin.com. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Why Customers Leave podcast. Big thanks to James Dodkins. I'm David Averin. Be good. This has been the Why Customers Leave podcast with David Averin. Be sure to leave a comment and click the like button. You can listen to or watch past episodes and be notified of future ones by hitting the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform or check them out on David Averin's YouTube channel. David's popular books are all available online and also in Kindle and audiobook form as well. You can learn more about David's keynote speaking and business consulting at
1: davidaverin.com.